Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, you have found your way to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for being a part of the journey of this podcast. We are now six and a half years, well over 635, 36 episodes, something like that, and we're going strong. And today we're going to take on a topic we have never talked about on the show. So I hope you're ready. Fasten your seatbelt. But before we get started, I have a little request. I have another podcast for you to check out. I am the host of the National Speakers Association's brand new podcast called Speakernomics. Now, NSA decided to launch this podcast this year, and I am really honored with all of the members in NSA who have podcasting experience. They asked me to partner with them on this new project where we are teaching people who are speakers, trainers, consultants, coaches, podcasters, anyone who uses the spoken word as a way to make money We're showing them ways to make more money and be more successful. So wherever you subscribe to podcasts, please do me a favor. Go subscribe to Speakernomics and leave one of those reviews if you like the show. So today we're going to talk about grief. I know, doesn't that sound exciting? No, seriously, all of us at some time will experience grief for a number of reasons. One reason might be the loss of a loved one. And I know over the course of the last year, this has hit probably more people than in any other year, just because of the pandemic that we have been through. But death is part of life. And yet, when you work for a company and you have someone close to you pass away, what happens? Do you even know? Many companies don't really have much of a grief process other than some sort of a policy that says, oh, you get like a day or two unpaid leave. But is that enough if it's your mother? your father, your spouse, your child, your brother? I don't know. And I'm going to talk to an expert who does know because this is something that if you're leading a company, if you're in the C-suite or or even if you're just a leader at any level in the company, this is something you would probably better think about and maybe should have a little bit of a preparation and a policy so there's some consistency for all of your employees who face this. And today I have with me Barry Grant. Now, she is one of the leading experts on how people deal with grief in the workplace. And this really impacts your employees because it can affect depression, mental health, getting the job done, when do they come back to work, how do they worry. So she is the chief grief officer. I want you to think about that. She's the only one in the world who is a chief grief officer. She has that trademarked uh, at the memory circle. And what she does is she helps people who have experienced loss so that they can be seen and heard in their grief. Hey, Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And what a great intro. And yes, grief is not sexy, but um, we are here to talk about it and, and bring awareness. All right. So let's go back. How does one become so focused on grief? Uh, I lost my mom in 1993. She had a brain aneurysm at the beach and died quite suddenly at the age of 50. And back then, I owned my own public relations firm, and I was in charge. 
and um, had to get back to work right away, as did my um, attorney's stepfather, as did my sister, who was in um, the hotel industry. And so people came. We had a few days of funeral preparation, the funeral and mourning, and we all dispersed and went back to work. Fast forward when grief hits you when you least expect it and you realize that you have never actually processed your own grief. And that's what how I came to be in the space. So it's interesting. I lost my mother in the 1980s when I was a teenager. And, you know, I, I took a week off school, but I had to go back for finals. And, you know, then I was with my dad and my brothers for Christmas. And then, boom, I was back at school again. And so I, I do understand exactly what you're talking about. When, when my father passed away, he was 99 years old. We had, and it was 30 years later. We had been through this once before. And the other side of it was because he was 99, he had outlived all of his friends. So we actually handled the grief and the funeral on our own time. And so we didn't, you know, we didn't have to have a funeral right away because it was just my brothers and I. We had kids in high school and college. Uh, so we waited until the day after Christmas. We, we waited a month to have the services. And then we all took a week together. And then we went back. And it was such a better grieving process because we were able to have our hands around it rather than just letting life deal with it. So I have a little personal understanding of, of what you're talking about. So how did you turn this into your career? Um, for a while, it was actually a, a side hustle um, because I felt around Mother's Day that people really needed a space as I became a mother that needed a space to be a motherless daughter over here and also enjoy the holiday with our own family. So I started to gather with motherless daughters the day before Mother's Day for years um, to create space for them through writing, through workshops, through yoga, um, any number of ways that we might process because we all do process differently. Um, sometimes art therapy, um, bringing in mediums, um, tapping in any way that you can to be able to just create an awareness um, and to metabolize your loss however many years have passed because as you know, it's a long arc things come up for us years later that we've never thought about a song, a moment, uh, a holiday celebration with family, a graduation, all these things that we think, Oh, if only mom or dad were with us or sister or brother or however, or whomever we have, have experienced loss. Um, so I did it in a very small way. And then um, I was a guest actually on a podcast and the last question on um, the intake form was, is there anything else you'd like us to talk about? And like magic out of my pen, and I have goosebumps telling you this, came the memory circle. I had never looked it up. I had never done a search. I had never, um, I, was, I was not at that time the chief grief officer of my own um, entity. Um, and it came out of my hand and I just thought that's exactly what we need to do like old-fashioned communities, we need to gather in circle and really talk about what's going on because this is going on in the shadows of everybody's lives and we're not addressing it. And, and it is something that is universal, as you just said. You've, you've experienced two losses very close to you, one at a young age and one later in life when you could express it in a way that you wanted to with your family, but too often it is just a shadow subject. Um, it's, it is because we're a very death-denying um, society and we don't have words. We, we don't have the vernacular around it. And so we just avoid it. 
So it's interesting because, you know, you, you, you started, you know, the memory circle and then obviously you grew that, that became your thing. I know that you focused on, on helping individuals. And in the last year, you've taken some of that focus to the corporate world and really talking to companies about what are we doing for this? Because I don't care if you have two employees or 200,000 employees, people are going to experience this. And, you know, as I said in the introduction, many companies have a policy, but it probably hasn't been thought through in the ways that it needs to be. So what made you take this focus to the corporate world? Uh, I was thinking a lot about um, compassionate leadership. Um, My husband's worked in a lot of startups and a lot of what he believed in the way that he was running his teams was to be a compassionate leader. And when I think of being a compassionate leader, I think how do we express and explore grief in the workplace? So I started to talk to um, C-level execs and HR um, employees, um, leaders, um, and people who had experienced loss at the workplace that were at a high level and were shocked that their own companies didn't have anything in place. So I've opened up these conversations to say, um, there's no federal law mandating um, bereavement leave or even any kind of compassion, compassionate leave. Um, so bereavement leave in the workplace, as you said, usually is about a two days off, sometimes paid, sometimes unpaid. And if you've ever been through the process, you can't plan a funeral. You can't get a death certificate. You can't turn off their electricity. You can't deal with banking. I mean, and, and to return to work, without having any space to process, you're going to get an employee who returns to work who is not whole, who is not really present, who may even um, delve into mental illness. So um, it's really up to the employer at the discretion of the employer to what I, to create what I call a bereavement bill of rights. And I've helped companies create just that have in writing, as you would, maternity or paternity leave, bereavement leave. So have most companies thought this through with any logic? Or is it just sort of something that HR has just sort of checked the box, you get a couple days? I mean, is this something that as you're working with companies, most companies are good at it and some need your help, or some companies are good at at it and most need your help? Most most need help. And they do have... um, they they work for the company, right? So they have um, they want productivity. They want um, back to work. You know, they want um, not to pay for this kind of leave generally. And so, um, while they are all compassionate, usually it involves sending a platter or somebody being in charge of sending the flowers to a funeral. And they're all open to this. So I feel like I give permission when I come and speak that I give permission um, for executives to open this conversation because nobody isn't compassionate around the experience, but nothing has been set in writing in the companies. So when I bring it to their attention and help them develop language around it, um, they've been pretty open. And a lot of um, companies have even, um, a lot of companies ask you to take your vacation days, which is really and the most uh, incompassionate, <laughs> this is not a vacation. Grief is not a vacation. Um, so um, I think it takes more than a handful of days to contend with. And if you feel like your company has given you space and time, 
Um, you're also going to be a better and more long-term employee for your company. You're going to have a lot of heart upon the return and feel safe to say also, I may need another day here or there and um, not worry about losing your job in the process. That's the last thing you should be worried about. So with everything that the national government mandates, is there no national bereavement bill or do any of the states have anything in place? Oregon is the only state in uh, the U.S. that has anything on the books, um, and they do have uh, bereavement leave law. New York attempted and failed um, to get theirs passed. Um, Now there is an organization called um, Evermore that is uh, working on it right now um, to get legislation passed, which is so exciting. Um, it, It will be a long process. I am sure. Um, But in this, um, as you said, in this time of universal grief during COVID, I think we have a newfound awareness with um, over 500,000 deaths in a country. I think we're all seeing the impact of loss and um, in our families, in our businesses and and just in the country um, and people dying alone. I just think we have a a much greater awareness. So it seems almost um, there's no perfect time is probably the wrong phrase, but we have a great deal of awareness right now. And I think that it is a time um, that we can, especially with um, the Bidens experiencing so much personal loss in their own lives. I think we have an empathic and compassionate leader at the helm that can hear this um, as a cause with new ears and heart. So I've got some more questions for you about all this because I think it's fascinating and I think it's something that people who listen, if their company has never had this conversation, I think there's probably some things we should be asking uh, no matter what level we are on the org chart so that we can help our company be prepared for this because like we said, this happens at some point to everybody. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Barry Grant. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Barry, you know, grief is not like a super happy thing to talk about. I mean, nobody wants to go in and have their meeting with their HR department or their CEO and goes, you know, I'm thinking people around here, they could have loved ones die. What are we, what are we going to do when that happens? How do companies even start the conversation about what's our bereavement policy and what should they be asking between the C-level executives, HR, and the rank and file employees? What should be thought of in advance? I think that we should bring it up in and around COVID. So I, I think that we can say in this time that we've been um, apart together, we have experience a lot of universal loss. I think that's the way in because everybody can can relate. I would ask, what would you want as an employee? You haven't experienced a, a loss maybe uh, while you've been w- with us or um, 
maybe um, you're thinking about um, planning for your future. Um, maybe you need uh, help around writing a will or your last, you know, have you even thought about what that looks like financially for your family? So in talking about preparation, which I think is another great thing that you can bring up in the company, um, maybe setting aside some, um, some um, money um, for family, uh, setting aside, uh, talking about end of life planning. Um, your company should know about your wishes for that as well. Um, so that it's easy for your family to acquire the correct paperwork and access, um, even passports. I mean, it's really incredible before you have a, have a death certificate, how difficult it is to get in and around your loved one's um, belongings. Um, so I think it's a roundtable discussion, and maybe it's a movement in the company where you create some kind of a committee and you'd be amazed at how many people would step forward. And you'd also be amazed at how many people have a story of loss that you've never learned about because it's not something that we speak. So I, I think it's a round table. You know, for me, everything happens in a circle. I think it's like, let's get around the campfire and talk about what this looks like for our company. So when and if we will have something in writing that, that you can expect. So you work with a lot of companies. What's the pushback that you hear? There's got to be some companies that are like, yeah. Um, it's not as much pushback as we've never thought of this. I would say it's the it's it's mostly like the paid unpaid. Um, and where does it um, is it vacation days? Is it what what justifies as a family member? Some of that is undefined. Uh, close bereavement really is. Um, defined in most um, handbooks as taking time off for the loss of a, a family member. Well, well, what does that mean these days? You know, we really define, even define family um, in many different ways than we used to. Oh, yeah. So, I, was I was just thinking the same thing. I mean, I have some people who I'm not blood or, or legally related to who I consider family. And, you know, where does that fit in? Right. And I, and I, uh, I think also we've talked um, in some companies. I love this. I was um, friendly with someone uh, who is a coach in England and she went to her boss and said, we need something called a duvet day. And it was just about cuddling up in bed because you're having like a mental health, you need a mental health break. Right. And the um, exact like spit coffee across the table, like a what? And she was sharing in, in such a special way that if we give the permission to have the one day, we won't have to call in and lie and say, third day of this terrible bug and uh, my stomach still hurts. And my, but, but just to bring, you know, this is a mental health awareness crisis as well. Um, if we don't give our employees this space, I can assure you that there will be more loss for the company down the road. So when you think about companies that have done a good job at this and they're making waves, right? They're, they're doing things different. They're pushing ahead. They're being cutting edge. What are the benefits to the company? Happy employees, employees that feel like my, I am seen and heard by my company. I can come to work as a whole person. I don't need to come to work as just my job title. I can come to work as a widow, uh, a motherless daughter, someone who lost my child. Um, everybody knows my story, and it doesn't um, 
diminish who I am in the workplace. It actually makes me a more diverse and compassionate leader. So a couple of tips then for companies. Let's wrap this up with some actionable items. What what should somebody who listened to this all the way through the last 20 minutes and they're like, oh yeah, this is something we should do. What, what are the tips? What's the advice you give your clients? I would say um, create a committee, send out an, uh, an email and create a committee. You will get hands raised. You'll be very surprised. Um, you can include information about um, links to um, websites that introduce these ideas um, like evermore.org who has a, you know, uh, lots of information about the laws that they're trying to pass right now um, at um, legislatively, legislatively. Um, secondly, I think that you can create a, a, a little clause in um, your vacation policy and just name it, name it what it is. And I think when we have people in the company that have experienced a loss, we need to reach out to them. So we make an announcement in our company. Um, Barry has lost a parent this week. Um, we don't make this a secret. We need to make this company-wide with the permission of the employee, of course. But I think um, knowing that you can send a card, you can write down the date that the loss occurred and check in with them um, a month later, three months later on the anniversary and just say, Hey, how are you? Just checking in and just having language in um, the company around grief, loss, and bereavement. Sometimes it's not the death of somebody. Sometimes it's just a, a, a loss that we don't know about in somebody's home. Um, maybe it's a move uh, due to um, finances. There's just so much that we don't know about our employees. So, it's just an open, it's a more open way of running our company. So Barry, if someone's listening to this and they're like, yep, but I can't do this alone. We need, we need, we need help. We need the chief bereavement officer. Yeah. Chief grief officer. How do they yeah. find you? Um, at the memory circle on Instagram, the memory um, I run the memory circle club on clubhouse. Um, I'm everywhere that grief is um, under the memory circle. And um, it's, a, it's a mission that I hope that we see at the legislative level soon. But in the meantime, making your own policy in your company um, and making that awareness to all employees is um, something that you can do today. Well, Barry Grant, thank you for the waves that you're making. And thank you for being a guest here on Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we do podcasts? So if you like the show, do me a favor, like all podcasters, I'm going to go, oh, go to Apple or wherever you get your podcast and leave that review. Yes, when I read the reviews, it makes me happy. Uh, but more importantly, go tell a friend because everyone who listens to this show tells me it was recommended to them. So therefore, I need you to go tell somebody right now. No, I'll wait. No, really. I'll wait right now. Go tell somebody. Awesome. I'm in. <laughs> Thank I'm you. In. 
And then make sure you come back every Tuesday and Thursday. We have interviews with really cool people who are making waves in business like Barry Grant. I know you're thinking, how will you ever find anybody as cool as her? Well, we figure it out. We do it every single time, twice a week. But in the meantime, go out there, flex your own entrepreneurial muscles, make some waves in business. Make sure your career ladder is against the correct wall because nothing is worse than climbing to the top going, oh, this isn't where I want to be. I did that for a long time. And then... While you're doing all this, have fun along the way. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.